into presidency amid a raging pandemic, rising inflation, a resurgent Russia and a challenging China. Joe Biden's news conference, which concluded moments ago, was just his sixth one with the press and his second with the full White House press corps. With his approval numbers consistently falling, he said it was a year of enormous challenges, but that he made enormous progress. He defended his record. I know there's a lot of frustration and fatigue in this country, and we know why. COVID-19, Omicron has, has, has now been challenging us in a way that uh, it's the new enemy. But while it's caused con for concern, it's not cause for panic. Some people may call what's happening now the new normal. I call it a job not yet finished. I don't know many things that have been done in one fell swoop. Um, and so I think the, bet, the most important thing to do is try to inform, not educate, inform the public of what's at stake in stark terms and let them make judgments and let them know who's for them and who's against them. Look, I didn't overpromise, and but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. But 12 months in and ahead of the midterm elections, the president's approval ratings have been falling. A data from Real Clear Politics says only 40.9 percent of Americans approved of him, which is an all-time low. Let's head over to Washington, D.C., where Simon Marks is joining us now. Simon, we'll get to his comments on foreign policy of Russia in particular in a bit. But I want to start with domestic issues. What did the president say that stood out for you? Well, the first point to make, uh, Julie, is that this press conference uh, ended at the one hour and 55 minute mark. It is the longest presidential press conference in recorded White House history. And so uh, the length of it uh, is being widely commented upon by uh, many observers who are wondering whether that was necessarily to Joe Biden's benefit. He came into this press conference knowing that his approval ratings are cratering. He's underwater with the American public on every major issue besetting the country. Uh, and he sought uh, to do a couple of different things. First of all, to blame the Republicans in Congress for the difficulties uh, that he's facing, saying that he had underestimated the extent to which the Republican Party would march in lockstep in a bid to prevent him from getting anything done. However, he conceded that many of his difficulties are in fact caused not by Republicans, but by the difficulty that he faces corralling his fellow Democrats on Capitol Hill. And he announced that in a bid to try and bring his Build Back Better uh, legislative initiative, that's that huge public spending bill that he wants to help bring America out of the economic difficulty created by COVID-19, he conceded that he's going to have to break that down into its constituent parts. He indicated essentially that he's abandoning efforts uh, to try and uh, get that entire bill passed uh, through Congress. Similarly, uh, he acknowledged that he's got big difficulties with voting rights legislation. Uh, and uh, at one point during the press conference asked, what are the Republicans for? Uh, quite literally, what is the Republican Party for, given the frustration that he expressed over the fact that some Republicans had previously uh, supported voting rights legislation, but now that he is president, 
are fervently opposed to it. So the president says in order to try and turn his fortunes around, he's going to hit the road. He embraced the notion that he's facing a messaging problem in his White House. He believes that Americans support what he's doing, but simply don't have a detailed understanding of the achievements that he claims to have notched up. And so he says between now and November, he's going to get out on the road and try to explain to Americans what it is he's done because he's convinced they will support it when they understand it. Yeah, lots of domestic challenges, Simon. President Biden marking his first year in office amid also growing rumblings over a potential war over Ukraine. Right, he has a pre predicted a Russian invasion of its neighbor and warned uh, once again, warned of Moscow of severe cost if it goes ahead and invades the country. Let's listen to what the president said. Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy. Intense diplomacy continues to try to avert a war. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who met his Ukrainian counterpart yesterday, says that Russia could launch a new attack on the Baltic state at very short notice. He told Ukrainians that they should prepare for difficult days, but assured them that Washington will work to pursue diplomacy as long as it can. We have uh, tried to make clear that there are two paths for uh, for Russia. Uh, there is the path of diplomacy and dialogue to try to resolve whatever differences there are uh, peacefully through diplomacy. Clearly the preferable path, clearly the most responsible path and the one that we would prefer. But there is also the, uh, the path, if Russia chooses to renew aggression, uh, of, uh, of conf confrontation and consequences. Let's go back to Simon Marks. Simon, it would appear things are coming to a head with tomorrow's meeting between the two envoys seen as possibly the last chance to avert open conflict. President Biden spoke of severe costs and significant harm to Russia if it invades. But what is the U.S. bringing to the table to try to stop a war from breaking out? Well, I think the first point to make, Steve, is that the White House is scrambling tonight to clean up the president's comment that you heard there, uh, distinguishing between a minor incursion by Russian forces and a full-scale invasion. His own national security advisor said just a couple of days ago that there would be uh, no distinction drawn by the United States, that any incursion across the Ukrainian frontier would be interpreted by the Biden administration uh, as an act of war and would lead to crippling economic sanctions. And officials in the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, have uh, within minutes of President Biden drawing that distinction in the news conference, expressed consternation at the suggestion that he might uh, have been giving the Russians the green light to go ahead with some kind of cross-border raid. The president uh, indicated uh, that there will be uh, no concessions to Russia uh, in the event of a full-scale uh, invasion, crippling economic sanctions, although he conceded uh, that those sanctions would impact the American and European economies uh, as well as Russia's economy. Uh, he did make the point that there are no plans for Ukraine 
to join NATO. Uh, that appeared to be a message directed at Vladimir Putin. But we know from uh, Antony Blinken's comments in Kiev earlier today that the Americans are not meeting one Russian demand in a few hours' time. They're not delivering a written response uh, as demanded by the Russians to the national security concerns that Russia has raised. And the president uh, seemed to indicate at one point during that press conference that he does think that eventually Vladimir Putin will send Ukra Russian forces into Ukraine, though at one point he said it depends what side of the bed Vladimir Putin gets up on uh, on the day that he makes that decision. Yeah, many thanks for, for that, Simon. So, Mark's uh, keeping us up to speed with all the events out of Joe Biden's recent speech.